the best in the safety and the security of mom and dad loving each other, but oftentimes you have a tendency to fight in front of your kids. Everybody knows the best thing is to be able to keep a quiet heart and be able to go behind doors and have those discussions. But in the heat of the moment, a great piece of information divorced from skillful living is just a good piece of information. And the book of Proverbs is all about us not only getting the right information, but also the skill to know how to apply the information. God's wisdom calls out to everyone, everywhere. That's the Lord's desire that everyone from the most highly educated to the most average person would be able to access the wisdom of the Father. Pastor Daniel challenges us to question where we line up according to the wisdom of God, whether we embrace it or reject it or somewhere in between. For anyone, if you turn towards him, he will make his words known to you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Way of Wisdom. We're talking about wisdom. This whole series in the book of Proverbs is about wisdom, and we need wisdom. Our Bibles tell us that if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask for it from God who gives wisdom to those who ask liberally and without reproach. The verse is beautiful because really what it's saying is that God wants us to be wise. God doesn't want us to be shooting in the dark, so to speak, but he wants us to know exactly how it is that we're supposed to live. Now, I've been making a distinction If you were here at our first study last week in this book of Proverbs, the distinction between knowledge and wisdom, there is a distinction. See, knowledge is having the right information, but wisdom is the skillful implementation of the knowledge into life. See the difference? Knowledge is the right information. Wisdom is the skillful application of the wisdom that we have. And it's really been, I've been thinking about this a lot because of this series, because it's amazing to me how much information or knowledge I do have, and it's also amazing how poorly I integrate that knowledge and information into my life. And I think that I'm just kind of like everybody else, so I'm assuming that you're the exact same way. Let me give an example. I remember when Lynn and I were engaged, and I had someone give me a piece of unsolicited marital advice. Don't you guys love unsolicited advice? It went something like this. Daniel, there's three things you need to know about marriage. There's three sentences that you have to memorize, and it's all you need to know about marriage. I'm like, okay, great. I'm like, what are they? They said, you're right, dear. That was the first one. Second one, I'm sorry, dear. That's the second one. And third, just remember the first two. (laughs) Now, what's amazing about that is that I did not have enough wisdom 
to implement that strategy into my life as a younger married man, but I have since gained some wisdom in regards to such things. Amen, right? All the sisters are like hitting their husbands like, hey, you're right, dear. I'm sorry, dear. It's the right information, but the wisdom is actually living that out, putting that into practice. I remember when we were, well, Lynn was pregnant. We were pregnant, but she, she was, but we were because we're one flesh, but she was the one who was going to have to navigate all of it in that way. And I remember someone gave me an unsolicited piece of parenting advice. So good. Someone said, okay, all you need to know about parenting, the best thing you can do for your kids is love your spouse. I'm like, that's, that's wisdom, right? But how often, as married couples, for those of you who are married, you know that children are nurtured the best in the safety and the security of mom and dad loving each other, but oftentimes you have a tendency to fight in front of your kids. Everybody knows the best thing is to be able to keep a quiet heart and be able to go behind doors and have those discussions. But in the heat of the moment, a great piece of information divorced from skillful living is just a good piece of information. And the book of Proverbs is all about us not only getting the right information, but also the skill to know how to apply the information to the ways that we live, where the rubber meets the road, where your life happens and my life happens. And so much of the Christian life is about the way that we live. That's why in the Bible, it's often discussed as the path or the way. Because as you move through life, as I move through life, we need the skillful application of God's information into the way that we live. And so this series, God's Tweets, is about the book of Proverbs. And really, in a lot of ways, today, it's the second part of the introduction, because really, Proverbs 1 and 2 kind of lays the foundation. And then starting next week, we'll literally get into a lot of those little one-liners, those 140 character pieces of wisdom that God has for us. So open your Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to be picking up in verse 20 for our God's tweets. Remember, it's hashtag God's tweets. So Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. I really want you to open up your Bible. We're going to finish chapter 1. We're going to take all of chapter 2 today. Look at what it says. And for those of you who like nice packaged sermons, those of you who appreciate the art of sermonizing, you're going to like this one because this breaks down into a nice little four-point sermon for you, all nice and neatly packaged. You're, if you're in a Bible college or seminary, or you just think people think you're cool if you can sermonize well, you can write this one down and you can drive it like you stole it. Chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom calls outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained 
all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So we'll get our first two points in this end of chapter one. Notice first, the call of wisdom. The first thing we have is the the call of wisdom. The call of wisdom. Look at what it says, verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates of the city, she speaks her words. Now, what you have here is what we could call a personification of wisdom. The idea is that wisdom, which is a concept or an idea now is treated as a person, a person who is calling out to people. And you'll find this in the book of Proverbs. You have a great personification of wisdom, both in Proverbs chapter 8 and in Proverbs chapter 9. So we see wisdom as a person who is literally calling out. Now notice where wisdom is calling. In verse 20, wisdom calls aloud outside or in the streets. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. And that's literally on the highest walls. Like if you've ever been in a stadium, there's different concourses or levels. The idea is from the highest walls at the opening of the gates of the city. Now, the gate of a city was the place where everything in the community happened. That was where the courthouse was. It was the meeting place, the marketplace. All of it happened at the gates of the city. The idea here is that wisdom calls out in the open to anybody who's willing to listen to it. I love this about God's wisdom. Because it's not like it's like, oh, the wisdom only calls out to certain people and you have to go to the university and you have to be here and you have to make sure you do this. No, wisdom is out in the open for anybody to receive it who might want it. Wisdom is going public, so to speak. It's right there and available in the business of living for the common person, for the business of life. Right now, wisdom is calling out to you and to me, to your friends, your neighbors, everybody of every tribe, nation, and tongue, wherever they are, wisdom is there calling on out. Now, what is wisdom calling? What is she asking or inviting? Well, it's interesting because in verse 22, wisdom offers a critique or a complaint. Look, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge 
turn at my rebuke. So we really see three types of people here. Now, the simple ones loving simplicity. Simplicity is actually a blessing, but the word in the Hebrew is literally the word the naive ones will be naive. Anybody ever say to you, oh, you can't be that naive? Anybody ever say that to you? Yeah, some of you heard that. So you're like me, I've heard that before. You can't be so naive, right? The idea, somebody who is naive, they just don't get it. It's the idea of being ignorant, but without the pejorative that ignorance is some sort of hateful thing. It's just like, you just don't understand. So wisdom is calling out to people who are, they just don't get it. There's like an innocent ignorance to them. They just don't understand. So there's naivety, right? And then there's the scoffers or the scorners. Now, this is somebody who is aggressively pushing against the truth. So it's not like I just don't get it because I'm an inch deep and there's a superficiality. Now it's like I am just angry and aggressive against the truth. That's the second type of a person. And then, of course, and the fools hate knowledge. So a fool is not somebody who is just superficial and doesn't get it, or a scoffer who is aggressively against it. Now you have someone who's just, they just don't want to know, and so they're just flat out foolish, right? So wisdom is calling out, and there's all these different types of people. And I think for each one of us, we should ask ourselves, God, where do I line up in regards to your wisdom, the truth of who you are and what life is meant to be, where do I line up? Because all of us, it almost hits the whole scale. You go from kind of superficial misunderstanding to aggressively going against it, and then, oh, I just don't like that knowledge. I, I, I'm against it. So it hits the whole span. Where do we find ourselves with the wisdom of God, with the truth of God, with what life is meant to be because of our belief in God? Where do we find ourselves? Because notice, no matter where somebody is, wisdom is calling, turn at my rebuke, it says. That's verse 23. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. Wow. Wisdom's like, look, if you turn, when I'm calling you and I'm calling you home, if you turn, I will pour out my spirit on you. That's powerful, isn't it? Now you might say, well, Wisdom pouring out of spirit. I mean, I mean, wisdom sounds like God here. Well, it's true because Jesus is the wisdom of God. It tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And the spirit is called the spirit of wisdom in the book of Isaiah and a lot of other places. See, if we heed the call of wisdom and turn, then wisdom will bestow herself, so to speak, on us. And then look at what happens in verse 24. Because I have called you and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel. I would have and have, would have none of my rebuke. See, starting in verse 24, we move to the second thing, the rejection of wisdom. The rejection of wisdom. See, wisdom is calling out, and now all of a sudden we see not everybody heeds the wisdom that is calling out to us and saying, come on, just turn and let me bestow and bless you with wisdom. Oftentimes there is the rejection of wisdom. I've called, but you refuse. I stretched out my hand. And no one regarded. You disdained all my counsel. 
and would have none of my rebuke. Now look at what it says. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Now, I don't know about you, it sounds like wisdom's got a little bit of an attitude problem. Isn't that what it sounds like? Wisdom's just like, oh, when when this all goes bad, I'm going to laugh at you. But notice what's going on here. I think this is important. And this is important for us because we live in a culture and a time that it's all about blaming somebody for our situation. Right? It's like everything that goes on, it's always, it's that person's fault. They did that to me. It's like, and we learned that from Adam and Eve all the way back when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, nobody wanted to own that calamity, right? Adam blamed Eve, really blamed God. We blamed God by giving him Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, as I like to say, because there was no one else there, the serpent was left with the hot potato. You know what I mean? But if, like, everybody wants to blame something, and our culture is big on this, right? It's like, right now, it's like the political season is, is popping up. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to vote. You need to follow your heart and the Bible in your voting. It's all good, but so much of the entertainment of contemporary politics is about who are we going to blame for how bad everything is, right? And everybody's going to blame the last person, the other side of the aisle, depending on which program you listen to. There, everyone gets blamed, right? And then you go on social media and everyone wants to blame somebody for something and everything's about blame, 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 blame. And we can just look outward and look at all the blame that goes on, but then you look at your own heart. How much stuff do you blame people for? Oh, I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for my spouse, my parents, my kids, my uncle's cousin's sister's brother or whatever, you know? It's like we have a tendency to want to blame. And in some ways, wisdom cries out. And when we don't listen to wisdom, it's like we want someone to blame about it. But really, when wisdom is inviting us and we experience what the Bible would call the principle of sowing and reaping, you can't really blame wisdom for what's going on. You guys know the principle of sowing and reaping, right? We talked about it in the end of the book of Galatians, that whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Whatever you invest in, that's what the harvest is going to be like. Let me give you an example. God's favorite meat, obviously, is bacon, right? (laughs) Now, bacon is mighty tasty. Can I get an amen? Can I get a preach it, Fusco? Go, 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 right? If you live on a diet of bacon, your life is going to probably be considerably shorter and be uh, embellished with lots of blood pressure medication, right? If you keep sowing bacon, you're going to get a pig. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm not, not I, I like bacon just as much as the next bro. But like literally, if you, all you do is eat bacon, you, it's like, it's just not good for you. You keep putting that stuff in, you're going to get that out right? And if you put bacon in, even though you know you shouldn't, you keep putting it in, and you're like, I can't, you know? It's like the person, remember the people who sued McDonald's because they were overweight? It's like, come on. Did you really think the McChicken wasn't going to kill you? Come on. But that's, that's the world we live in. Oh, I've been living on McDonald's. I can't understand why I have high cholesterol. It's like, well, you've been living on McDonald's. It's like, what do you expect to happen? See, so wisdom, it sounds like wisdom's got an attitude problem, but like 
when wisdom is telling you not to do something and you choose to do it and you reap the consequences of it, it's not like wisdom is going to be like, oh, I feel so bad for you. Like, I mean, I can't believe that happens. Like, no, I've been telling you the entire time that if you do this, this is what happens. So I'm really not, I'm, I'm sad for you, but it's really like you did this to yourself. And that's one of those things that we don't like to hear. We don't like to hear that sometimes we just do this stuff to ourselves. And when we, when wisdom calls and you and I reject that wisdom, it's going to come home to roost at some point. Whatever you reject, at some point, that thing is going to blossom up. And, and it's not like wisdom's like, oh, you know, wisdom, this is your fault. Wisdom's like, look, I told you that this was going to happen. And I think too often, we don't actually want to own our lives. We just want to find somebody to blame for the things that go on. It lacks any sort of honesty about who we are and the, and, and the fact that we were created in the image and likeness of God and able to make decisions. See, wisdom is stretching out her hand. She's calling to us, but we don't want it. We don't want the counsel. We will not hear the, the loving rebukes of wisdom for us to live a different type of life. And so when calamity happens, when terror comes, when the storm comes, when distress comes, it's because we would not listen to wisdom. And so you have to ask yourself, what aspects of the wisdom of God are you right now not listening to? It's calling out to you and you're rejecting it. You have to ask yourself that. What do you know you shouldn't be doing that you're choosing to do that wisdom is saying, stop, and you're saying, no. See, what's interesting about the rejection of wisdom is that wisdom's desire is for your life and my life to be a blessing, to be a God thing, to be about the things that God desires. And wisdom invites us into this relationship with God. But oftentimes we say, you know what? No, I got my own thing, God. I want to do it my own way. So when we reject wisdom, we end up losing out on the life that God created us for. It's an, I remember a story. It's one of those like kind of teaching moment stories, the stories of wisdom, so to speak. There's a man, right? And he sits on a box and he begs for money. And he's been sitting on this box for years. And every time someone comes on, he's got his little spot there. He says, some change for the poor, some change for the poor. And people give him some change or people would walk right by whole time. And one day there was a, a holy man who was walking on by, and the guy said, change for the poor, change for the poor. And the holy man stops, and says, are you looking for some money? Yeah, he's like, so what's in the box? And he's like, oh, you know, it's a box. I've been sitting on this thing for 20 years. This is where I sit, and, you know, I would love some money. Well, hey, you know, he didn't answer my question. What's in the box? He's like, oh, there's nothing in the box, you know, like whatever, you know. Just have some money. And the guy leaves, and the holy man's just like, okay. And then a little while later, the man says, I wonder what's in the box. And he gets up off of his box that he sits on to beg for money, and he opens up, and it's a chest full of gold. For 20 years, he's been begging for money when he's been sitting on a treasure. I wonder how many of us, our lives are like that. Jesus is Our hearts break for those being turned away and rejected all over the world because of where they've come from. Like many of you, I have to face my fears about terrorism and balance them with the command Jesus gave me to love, 
Love no matter what. You might be asking yourself, what can I do? How can I help? Well, I urge you first to reach out to us here at Crossroads Community Church. We've been ministering to refugees for many years and we could use your help. Second, and it's gonna sound pretty simple, you need to pray. Pray for those who are suffering all over the world. Pray for our refugees trying to escape terror in their own countries and pray for President Donald Trump and the rest of the leadership of our country. And we wanna help you to remember to pray for all of these things. I wear a leather bracelet that says real on it. Whenever I look at this bracelet, it reminds me that Jesus is real in my life and I'm utterly and completely blessed. I also remember to pray for those who are fleeing tyranny. I'm gonna turn this over to Josh so that you can learn more about supporting refugees and help us here at Jesus Is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Truly, the plight of the refugees is urgent. Throughout the month of March, we want to make available to you the same leather bracelet that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. It simply says real on it. When you wear this bracelet, you'll be reminded of God's love in your life and those that are less fortunate. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you the real bracelet as a thank you. Plus, we will use a portion of these funds in the current effort here at Crossroads Community Church to minister to refugees. To receive your own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Well, thanks for joining us today. Please remember to pray for the poor, oppressed, and less fortunate. Until next time, may God bless. Trade.